Hi, this is Dave. Do you uh, do you consider yourself a second-class Christian? You know, uh, for much of my Christian life, I struggled with a difficult and painful image of myself, and that is that I was a second-class Christian. Now, no one ever said that to me in so many words, but the practices of the institutional church made it perfectly clear. These practices have evolved in response to a belief that permeates our Western Christian culture so deeply that few Christians would ever question it. Unfortunately, the result of this belief is that millions of Christians, like myself, lead lives that are far less productive than God wants, and that means that the church's influence and impact is light years away from what it could be. Let's, let's gain a little perspective here. You know, we all have deep-seated beliefs that impact our view of the world. These beliefs have formed in us over a period of many years, beginning with our childhood and continuing till now. They're often so deep within us that we are not consciously aware of them. Yet, because they define how we see the world, these deep-seated beliefs shape our attitudes, impact our emotions, shape our thoughts, and determine our behaviors. For want of a better word, let's call them paradigms. Now, these paradigms impact everything we do and can cause individuals as well as entire groups of people to act in certain ways. For example, in Christopher Columbus's day, most of the world thought the earth was flat. And this paradigm meant that they would not sail to the horizon because they didn't want to fall off the earth. It took someone like Columbus to question that paradigm and act differently. Prior to his journey, people were held back by their beliefs, this paradigm, not by the reality of the situation. And the same is true. That's, you know, that's a pretty obvious example, but the same is true for all of us. Our paradigms impact everything that we do because they color our perceptions of what the world is really like. These deep-seated beliefs help us make sense out of the world around us, and without them, we'd be unable to function. However, we're always at risk of nurturing paradigms that incorrectly interpret the world and cause us to act in ways that are not positive. And I believe that the modern institutional church has been rendered ineffective by some of these kinds of paradigms. I became a Christian when I was 24 years old and have walked with the Lord ever since. And for much of these years, I've been puzzled by what I have seen as a mystery. On one hand, I read in the New Testament about the early church, and I see that it was filled with the the Spirit, enthusiastic, energetic, joyful, and victorious. In a very short time, very short time, it had penetrated into much of the known world. That's the church that the Lord established. But then I look around me and I see a church that is apathetic and passive and lethargic and split into thousands of different pieces. I look at my own life and I'm disappointed by the feeble expressions of the gifts of the Spirit. And this contradiction between the vibrant church of the New Testament and the apathetic, splintered church of 21st century America has always been a source of puzzlement to me. Why, I have wondered, is that? When we have the same spirit as the early Christians, why was the power of that spirit so much more visible and powerful than it is today? 
You know, I recently discovered an image that helps me to understand. So imagine this. Uh, imagine you have a large uh, wooden box, framed frame, so you just see the frame. And um, inside the box is a powerful light in the shape of a globe. Now imagine that you place, uh, place that box in a dark room, turn on the light. It would allow a powerful beam of light to shine throughout it would illuminate everything. And that's sort of like, like us with the Holy Spirit. We're the box that contains the light, and the Holy Spirit is light shining out from us, illuminating a dark world. Now, take a screen, like the kind that you use on windows and doors, and nail that screen over the open sides of the box. So what will be the effect? Well, the screen will have slightly cut down on the amount of light shining out of the box. Light will still be there, just as powerful as ever, but the screen will have entered, hindered its impact on the world outside of the box. And then what would happen if you would layer, nail layer after layer of screens on that box? With each succeeding layer, you would have hindered a little bit more of the light until after layer after layer after layer, the light would be totally contained. So, our false paradigms are like those screens nailed to the box. We have the Holy, we have the Holy Spirit in His full expression, just as the early Christians did, but we have hindered the expression and power of the Holy Spirit by nailing layer after layer of incorrect paradigms and beliefs over the power of the Holy Spirit. Not one of them is sufficient to totally hinder the power of the Spirit, but the sum total of all of them does the job. Now, in this podcast, I'm going to, I'm going to pry one screen off by examining our paradigms concerning what we consider to be, quote, ministry, unquote. It's this paradigm that has caused me to think of myself as a second-class Christian, Here's the paradigm. See if this doesn't sound familiar. Here it is. Real ministry is defined by the time you spend in the official efforts of the church to evangelize the lost and edify the saved. This is the work that God is interested in and that he considers most important, special, and significant. Does that sound familiar? Okay. Now, if you're like most Christians, you're just nodding your head, thinking, yeah, of course, of course. Who would question that? And... The expressions of this belief are all around us. Remember, paradigms shape our attitudes and determine our behavior. So we can look at attitudes and behavior and use them to discover the paradigm that lies under the surface. Here's some examples of the paradigm in practice. For example, one of my clients recently indicated to me that one of his salespeople had left the company to, quote, go into full-time ministry. Well, we all know what he means by that. This person is going to make his living in some sanctioned work of the church. That's real ministry. What he, what he was doing before was just making a living. That's an example of this false paradigm in action. A number of years ago, I read uh, Bob Buford's book entitled Halftime. And I was, I really was impressed with it, and I bought several and gave them to friends. The premise of the book, written primarily to Christian business people, was that now that in the first half of your life you achieved some degree of success, use the second half to do something significant. 
Donate your time and money and talents to a ministry. That's another, I've come to see that as another expression of the paradigm. It's not unusual to hear a a pastor or a fellow Christian talking about, quote, God's work, or referring to the church building as, quote, God's house. This kind of language indicates, of course, that God is more interested in those things than he is other things that are not God's work or places that are not God's house. So I can cite hundreds of other examples, but you get the idea. This concept of ministry is a deeply held pervasive paradigm that's embraced to some degree by almost all of 21st century Christendom. But let's take a moment to consider the implications of this paradigm. Consider that if some work is significant, what does that say about other work? Insignificant. If some work is special, what does that say about other work? Ordinary. If some work is important, what does that say about other work? Unimportant. In other words, if we hold church work to be special, significant, and important, then this says that the rest of our lives are ordinary, insignificant, and unimportant. Right? But is this is this what the Bible teaches? Hardly. In fact, it's just the opposite. For example, Paul said that everything we do, if we do it as a service to Christ, is important. Quote Colossians 3. 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Clearly, ministry in the Bible is not determined by what is done, but rather by for whom it is done. Whatever you do for Christ is ministry. God's work and will for this world is far greater than just those activities we know as church work. God desires to extend the kingdom into every aspect of his creation, and he expects us to be obedient to him and offer our lives as ministry to extend his influence into every nook and cranny of this world. When we go to a meeting at our children's school, for example, we're taking Christ's influence with us extending his impact into that aspect of creation. When we go to work, we're extending Christ's influence into those contacts with people that we connect with. When we talk with a neighbor, fill the car up with gas, cut the grass, or shop for groceries, we are Christ's ambassadors extending his influence into those realms. Jesus called us to be the salt of the world. He intentionally chose that analogy. Salt has no value when it is held inside the salt shaker, crushed against other grains of salt. It's only when it's mixed with other things that salt imparts its influence. So too for us, when we're huddled with one another in the confines of church buildings, we are not fulfilling the ministry that God appointed us to. When, while time together is necessary for encouragement and equipping, it's a means to an end. The end is our influence in our ministries that we call our lives. Here's a little self-test. Imagine yourself two totally different mental states. In one, you believe that your talents and your experience and education and the gifts that you use in your job and your family are of little interest to God. They're just the way you fill your week. The really important things to God occur only on Sunday mornings. You understand that church work is real ministry and that our lives are something that God really doesn't care that much about. He's much more interested in evangelism and edification under the auspices of an institutional church than he is in anything else we might do in our daily lives. Church work is special, and what you do in most of our lives is ordinary. Ordinary. 
Church work is significant, and what you and I do is insignificant. And while you desire to be active and pleasing to God, you know you cannot be because you are not ordained, you are not a full-time minister, and you have not had enough time to devote to church work. You are second class. Okay, now that you're temporarily immersed in that mindset, ask yourself some questions. How energized are you to see your life as meaningful to God? To what degree do you feel do you feel filled with the Holy Spirit every minute of the day? How close to God do you feel? How great is your Christian influence on those around you? Now, consider the opposite paradigm. Imagine yourself fully accepting and believing this, that God has selected you for a special ministry that you alone can fulfill. You believe that God has personally and specifically equipped you with experience, talents, gifts, and education to use in your job and your family. He has personally given you a ministry that is incredibly important to the growth of his kingdom and directly in the center of his will. His ministry is your work and your family. Every moment of it is empowered by the Holy Spirit, ordained by God, and overseen by Jesus Christ. He has appointed you to be his unique ambassador to take his influence into every corner of his creation touched by you. What you do on Sunday morning or in regards to the institutional church is only incidental to your main and special ministry. Now, ask yourself this question. How enthusiastic are you? How full of the Holy Spirit, how close to God, how excited to be using your spiritual gifts. How energized are you to see your life as meaningful to God? To what degree are you inspired to and feel fulfilled with the Holy Spirit every minute of the day? How great is your Christian influence on those around you? Now, if you're like most of us, you quickly see that the first paradigm serves to depress the power of the Holy Spirit to isolate you under the burden of a debilitating self-image, to hinder the power of the Holy Spirit. Yet, the second paradigm does just the opposite, energizes you with spiritual power and purpose. The second mindset fosters an attitude of joy, peace, commitment, and empowerment. Consider the impact of these two mindsets on your Christianity. Now multiply your thoughts and feelings times the millions of Christians in the world and imagine the impact on the universal church and consider the impact on the growth and impact and influence of the kingdom. The conclusion is obvious. The paradigm that holds church work as a higher calling than real work is an insidious, debilitating concept. It's time to do away with it. It's time to recognize that our lives, when lived for Christ, are our highest and most noble ministries. We have been selected by God and empowered by the Holy Spirit to extend the kingdom into every area of a creation. We are really, truly first-class Christians. All right, that's it. We're done. Bye-bye.